Hello and welcome to Eclectic Waffle, the podcast with one theme only, interesting conversations with interesting people about interesting things. I'm your host, Tom, and it's very nice to have you here. Well, it's been quite a trip recording the first few episodes of Eclectic Waffle. Thank you to those of you who um, have listened to some of the previous episodes and welcome to those of you who are joining us for the first time. Inevitably, when you take up a new creative endeavour, you have to learn a new set of skills. Um, I've been having to get to grips with a new piece of software and props to Anchor because their software is is remarkably easy to use and indeed needs to be for me to be even able to contemplate uh, doing my own podcast. I'm having to think about breathing, I'm having to think about editing, um, and also try not to think about all that stuff too much, because if one becomes excessively self-conscious, then it's crippling. But the other thing that a creative endeavour does, a bit like a sporting endeavour, probably any kind of endeavour, it doesn't just teach you about the things that are obviously inherent to the endeavour, it teaches you about other aspects of life. And one thing I've been thinking about a lot is the nature of unsolicited advice. This isn't the equivalent of a subtweet. This isn't a way, a roundabout way of sending a message to anyone in particular. It really isn't. And I'm grateful for all the help I've had and the encouragement so far. But it becomes very hard sometimes to see the wood for the trees when you are deluged with advice. And there is a certain joy in finding things out for oneself. The temptation when you see someone doing something wrong is always to say, oh, you should do this, you should do that. And I've got various friends who describe themselves as as wanting to fix problems. And they are not necessarily the kind of person who never criticises themselves, who enjoys bossing people around. Often it's motivated by something very well-meaning indeed, a real desire to help other people. And people can feel impotent if they're not able to help someone else. It can obviously be very distressing if you see someone self-destruct. And it can be frustrating if you think someone's fantastic, but they could just make a few tweaks and do what they do even better. The flip side to that, though, is that it can be very, very hard to feel that you have retained ownership of a project. One of the reasons for doing the podcast is that I won't have an editor, that I won't have someone endlessly critiquing my work, that I won't have someone telling me I have to plan it or how I have to plan it, won't have someone chopping and changing, won't have someone adding stuff, which happens a lot in my um, normal career as a professional writer. And I've wanted this to be all about me. The other reason not to plan, the other reason not to be too introspective and too analytical is that I don't really know what I want the podcast to be. And the only way to find out is through experimentation. There's an analogy here, of course, with learning the guitar. One could sit down and 
follow a very specific, well-tried and tested lesson plan. But it's interesting that a lot of guitarists, perhaps more than other instruments, maybe more than any other instrument, other than the voice, excuse me, uh, often do a shoe written notation. Not all of them use tablature. I have only one uh, thing like that which I do, which is chord charts, where they just show you where to put your fingers to fret different chords. But I don't otherwise read notation, and I haven't had extensive lessons. Um, I had a few lessons from a friend a few years ago. But basically I've worked it out for myself. I say worked it out as if I've conquered the guitar. Of course I haven't. But doing it my way has meant that I've stuck at it. I think if I'd been forced to sit down and learn scales and all that sort of stuff, uh, I would have got very fed up. I certainly would have got fed up if I couldn't have played the music I wanted. And so actually by taking the approach, I just want to play songs that I like, I somehow have found myself learning guitar to a reasonable level because I haven't gone out and learned the, many of the chords in advance, just a handful. But when a new song, song comes along with a new chord that I'm required to learn, it sort of happens in an organic way. And I really want the podcast to be the same. I'm quite sure there are things I could do. There are ways I could do the interviews differently. I'm sure people would have brilliant suggestions for questions. And it might be that the podcast will become a little bit more interactive as it develops. And if I let people know in advance who the guests are, they could pose questions. But honestly, <laughs> I'm not sure I am going to do that. I think largely I'm just going to sit here and hold forth. And when we do have a conversation, I will make sure I listen a lot. The guests should obviously speak a lot more than the person interviewing them. Although in a way it's not a classic interview, it's a conversation. But I want things to meander. I like things that are ramshackle. I also do stand-up comedy. And on so many occasions I've gone to an open mic night and watched a bunch of new comedians. And someone has come on and I've been the only person who's laughed at them, with them. And... I've often had to go and seek them out after the gig was over and say, look, just to be clear, I wasn't laughing sarcastically. I thought you were great. Because I have quite a loud laugh and they often notice. And I think sometimes I put people off because they're basically having a bad gig and I've sat there laughing away. And other comics sometimes have thought that I'm going the extra mile to be supportive of a new comedian. But when you watch an enormous amount of open mic stand-up comedy, as I have done, you value more and more the truly singular comedian. The comedian who is genuinely unique. That, to me, is worth far, far more and is far, far funnier than someone who is simply polished. Being polished can just be another way of being a conformist, of being someone who does it the same way that everyone else does. Jazz musicians tend to take the approach that you need to know the rules in order to break the rules. And of course, 
jazz musicians who improvise wildly are typically technically extremely gifted, will know a whole range of chords, will know the way their guitar or their trumpet or whatever works in an intimate intimate way. They usually are able to read music. But sometimes you need to not know the rules because the rules can overwhelm you. The rules can make you behave in a completely predictable way. I think comedy divides into two types. The kind of comedy that makes people laugh because they go, oh yeah, that's so true, that's so, yeah, that's absolutely true, yeah. The comedy of familiarity. Perhaps in Britain the stand-up comedian who does that sort of comedy best is Peter Kay. Michael McIntyre is also like that. But my personal preference for for comedy is the other type. It's the type that makes me laugh because I'm surprised. It's the pullback and reveal that you never did see coming. It's the person who's like nothing you've ever seen before. And that's what I love in comedy. So, on several occasions, a comedian has come out. He's been a bit weird. He's been a bit strange. He hasn't had particularly good stagecraft. He's maybe messed a few things up. But he's also been like nothing I've ever seen before. And that delights me, that surprises me, that makes me laugh. And I always, always try and seek out those people and say, look, keep going, you've really got something here. You'll get more experienced, comfort on stage will come with practice. For crying out loud, don't give up. And... That's the approach that I want to take here, because the other thing is, one size rarely fits all. One of the challenges that I'm working on at the moment is um, trying to lose weight. I'm, I'm, I'm very overweight. I'm a large man, naturally, genuinely big-boned, and I've also got very big muscles from years of weight training, um, and also years of my body having to hold itself up. Um, but on top of that, I've also got a lot of a lot of excess baggage, which I'm keen to shift. And in some ways, it's absolutely true that it's the same for everybody. It absolutely is a question of burning more calories than you take in. If you do that, you will lose weight. And I think a lot of fad diets are an attempt to draw people away from that essential truth. You've got to burn more than you take in if you want to lose weight. That doesn't mean that everyone will do well on the same kind of diet, and it doesn't mean that everyone will do well with the same kind of exercise program. Exercise in particular is an interesting one. I have lost count of the number of people who've told me I should take up cycling. And they're absolutely right that cycling is brilliant exercise. I live in the countryside, so it's a lot safer than it would have been when I was living in London, where, frankly, I think cycling is madness. Um, But I don't want to for a number of reasons. First of all, it would mean that I was a cyclist, and they are, by and large, absolutely loathsome people. There is no excuse for a middle-aged man to wear lycra, and yet they do. And that is heinous, and I simply don't want to be part of that gang. 
I'm saying all this partly tongue-in-cheek. But also, I simply don't enjoy the process. I find it very, very uncomfortable. And although I enjoyed it as a kid, I've always hated it as an adult. And I just don't want to do it. On the other hand, I enjoy a form of exercise that other people would hate. I really, really love hitting a punch bag. I find that it relieves stress and anger. I find it absorbing. I enjoy the rhythm of it, but I also enjoy the different rhythms of it. I am not someone who likes repetition. When I go on a rowing machine, even though I'm very unfit, I actually get off the rowing machine before my body tells me I have to, because my brain is screaming at me to get off the rowing machine. It is so, so boring. Just sitting there moving in a linear fashion, in a way that never varies. Hitting a punch bag, although you can work on different combinations, and of course I've had advice from people, oh, you should do this routine, you should do that routine. Hitting a punch bag can be a much, much more improvisational phenomenon. And that's really, really enjoyable too. Just throwing different combinations, which after all, of course, is what you have to do if you're going to be boxing competitively. If the other boxer knows what punches you're going to throw when, you're going to find yourself knocked out on the floor, on the canvas, pretty damn quickly. And I like bursts of activity. I'm very attracted to training the way that a fighter trains. I went years ago on a whim once to a boxing gym with some friends I've been lifting weights with and what really struck me was how you never get bored. Hard work, yes absolutely, but you move from throwing a medicine ball down to hitting the pads to skipping to lifting weights to throwing different combinations over and over and over, doing different circuits, changing things up and that suits me very well. On the other hand, I have friends who adore running, absolutely love running and enjoy the almost zen-like state they get from running mile after mile. And I understand that too. It's simply that I'm wired differently. On the diet front, I'm someone who likes protein and likes animal protein. I really like red meat. I really like cheese. Much less of a battle for me to swear off cake and sweets because I don't eat them I'm not attracted to them in, in nearly the same way people always assume that, that their uh, particular foible is going to be your foible so I get endless endless unsolicited advice from people about what what alcohol I should drink even though actually I'm not a big drinker at all I look like I drink a lot of beer but as it happens <laughs> I don't the other thing, of course, is that people often want to tell you that you have a problem as if you didn't know it already. You don't have to be my size if you're even carrying two or three stone uh, too much weight. You know it, and you know it perfectly well. And if someone hasn't managed to deal with that themselves, there's often a reason for it. There's very, very often a reason for it. And just concluding that it's gluttony 
as opposed to a desperate misguided attempt to self-medicate, as opposed to the only way one has found to raise serotonin levels, as opposed to an addiction to things which are nice and which are comforting, is a very misguided outlook. That problem that you recognise in your friend, there's a good chance that they know about it themselves. And so the question is not, how do I tell them they've got this problem? The question is, can I usefully help them? And maybe I should wait for them to come to me. There is nothing worse than feeling that things are being taken out of your control. That you have ceased to choose. I've had so many people tell me to lose weight that I really did for long periods of time lose track of the fact that I wanted to lose weight myself. But it's also on me because I would get very, very angry when people would try and help me, including people who previously I'd asked for help and advice. And I do veer wildly between wanting people to leave me the hell alone and needing a bit of help from people and wanting a bit of help from people. And that makes it very hard for them to never know where they stand, to feel that they're always walking on eggshells. So so this stuff is is complex and difficult. I don't feel these tensions about the podcast because I unarguably have complete control over that. No one is going to tell me what to do. And that paradoxically means that I can be more receptive to advice. It's a funny thing, isn't it, being a human being? In some ways we're incredibly similar, which is why medicine is possible. And in other ways we are, all of us, unique. And we have to march to the beat of our own drum. The other great danger of taking on too much advice and following it is that one gets into being a panderer. And pandering to an audience is a bad thing to do for a number of reasons. First of all, you become their slave. Second of all, what you do won't be original. But thirdly, and most importantly, it's just a terrible shame because the chances are that they would have liked the real you far more than you realise. And this is something that I think people really need to give as a message to their friends. I'm aware of the irony that this falls into the category of unsolicited advice, probably, but I'm not saying that one should never give unsolicited advice. And a really good piece of unsolicited advice to give to people that you know and love and respect is you're fantastic and other people are going to think that you're fantastic too. Be you. Do you. Be yourself. Ricky Gervais is is one of my favourite comedians and he's very strident on this and I totally agree with him. He makes stuff that he likes and he hopes that other people will agree. He doesn't try and work out where there's a gap in the market. He doesn't try and pander to what he thinks are people's base instincts and lowbrow tastes. And he's right not to do so because it means that he's being authentic. 
and that he can be proud of the work that he produces. But he's also right because paradoxically that actually is what the audience wants. They want to see something that they've never seen before. And it's amazing what people will connect with. I've I make no apology for the fact that that initially the the podcast is probably going to be really self-indulgent because I'm just finding my way and experimenting with different um, approaches. And I figured that that monologue on guitars in episode two was probably seriously boring. And I certainly thought it would be boring for people who didn't play guitar. And yet I've had some really good feedback on it both from people who are into guitars and, to my amazement, learn something from it. I didn't really think I had anything to teach a non-guitarist about guitars, but there you go. But also people who weren't as interested in it before um, enjoyed it, and that's really encouraging. Almost nothing is inherently boring. I think a lot of us end up doing at university, if we go to university, doing a subject that was taught to us by an inspiring teacher. That's how I got into politics. I went to a different sixth form. That's uh, that's where you go when you're 16. Um, I went to a different sixth form to, to the place where I did my GCSEs and wasn't quite sure what my A-levels should be. Absolutely hadn't planned to do politics, but got buttonholed at the open evening by one of the politics teachers who made it sound so interesting and it proved to be. He he, and the other politics teacher were both fantastic. I should name him. He was called Ray Benton Evans. Um, and the other politics teacher was Stuart Mason. And they were both great. And they sparked a, a fascination with politics that led me to read it as part of my degree at university. And I've ended up having a 20-year career working in different political jobs. But you know... It could have been a history teacher. It could have been an RE teacher. It could certainly have been an Italian teacher. Maybe even, possibly, although I'm a bit doubtful, um, because I'm not sure I've got the brain for it, and that's a whole other debate, which we might have another time on eclectic waffle. It could even have been a science. Who knows? In some ways, it doesn't matter what it is. Nothing is inherently boring so be you be you march the beat of your own drum if it's any kind of creative endeavor then you should be a complete fascist and if you do take advice just be clear that it's advice not an instruction that's the distinction an advice piece of advice doesn't have to be an instruction And I think that's the approach I will take. Even if it means the end product isn't quite as good as it could be. This probably would be better if I'd spent a little bit more time learning the software in advance. I know that some of the audio hasn't been as good as it could be. But the danger of waiting until things are perfect is that you never finish them at all. And I just wanted to get cracking on this. I'm so grateful to you all for joining me on this journey. Please, please stick with Eclectic Waffle. Please get the word out because it's absolutely going to rely on word of mouth getting this out. 
Um, and don't hesitate to get in touch via the function on Anchor FM, which, which lets you do that, because I will be pleased to hear from you, even if it's a piece of unsolicited advice. You are listening to Eclectic Waffle. Thank you for doing so.